This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Hello, dear friends. I'm your head mister, Lord Stephen Gearhart. And I am your co-mister, the man with no name, Lance Wayne. And together we are the misters of the... the, Let's try it again. The misters of the... the, Lance! The misters of the dark! Don't shut up! Whatever. Join us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Or go to mistersofthedark.com, where we'll be discussing all things horror, from films and books to everything in betweensies. We also have the occasional victim. <laughs> I mean, guest. <laughs> Only on the Fearscape Mania Network. <laughs> Shut up, Lance. I always get the last laugh. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fantastic episode of The Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. Uh, this is Stefan, your host for the evening, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Josh Rutledge. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> um, and For those of you on YouTube, you can see we have a very special guest uh, for the evening tonight. And those listening, I'm going to introduce, we have the Debs Shakti, professional oh. quantum hypnotherapist and open channel, recently seen on the documentary Alien Abduction Answers, which you guys know we <laughs> love we just had john yost on the show debs thank you so much for being on the show uh thank you stefan so it's my honor to be here and um and my great delight and especially to follow john's interview that's really fun so (laughs) well you get to say the things that he couldn't i guess yeah (laughs) (laughs) what i'm gonna do i'm gonna kick this off right off the bat okay good and i we talked a little bit about this with john but i really want to hit it with you because i had not heard this term until i saw the documentary but quantum hypnotherapy could you give us just a little um snippet of what that is how you got into it and what how is it different than regular hypnotherapy? Okay. Well, I started out in regular, what you would call clinical hypnosis, hypnotherapy, uh, a bazillion years ago. And, um, through my work at the, uh, clinical psychology PhD program at the local university. Um, but I had been interested in it far longer than that it was uh, I got into it by being a yogi and meditating at a a very young age and I realized that these things have overlap like there is is a brainwave state basically that you get into so uh, I kind of fell into that job and it was really interesting because I got to learn from some of the best people on the planet at the time in that field and um, so I learned I learned the ropes of conventional hypnosis what you are probably most people are uh recognize as the therapy where you get a person into a relaxed state and 
then regress them back to a certain point in their life and ask them questions because the brain uh, or the, the consciousness, I should say, records everything that you experience as a human being, even the things you don't notice. For instance, you could be a, in a terrible car accident and um, and it's a hit and run accident and that person leaves and uh, you can't remember anything about it when the police ask you about it. But if you go into even conventional hypnosis, if you get into that right brainwave state, you can tap into your memory and pull up the license plate of that car if you, if you saw it at all, even a glance. So it's a really great therapy. But quantum hypnotherapy came about because I have, you know, I came into the world with a side gifts. You know, I'm psychic, I'm telepathic, I uh, can remote view, I, I can work with energy, see energy, uh, manipulate energy. So a lot of those things and, and, and healing work uh, with those things, a lot of those things are not allowed in a conventional hypnotherapy session or right. at least back in the late 70s they weren't. And so I kind of had to make a choice because I felt like that was not serving the client well to not be able to bring the whole, you know, the comprehensive package into that, into that uh, session. So to explain how that is, for me, heads and tails above clinical hypnotherapy, we go not just into the childhood or past experience of this life, we can go into any lives and quantum science teaches us or says at least postulates with some pretty good evidence that we are that that the universe is infinite that there are infinite versions of our galaxy of our solar system of our earth even and on each one of those there are infinite versions of ourselves some are very similar to the one that we are right here that we're looking at that we're focused on and many or most are have nothing nothing alike uh so it so. differs itself from say like past life regression by yes. multiversing yes absolutely <laughs> which it is, is really in, cool yeah it's multi it's multi uh, universal it, it also is infinite dimensional you know because we all live in these varying realities. They're just in different frequencies. It's like tuning your radio dial to a yeah. certain frequency. Um, and so that's what this process does. And to get a person into the proper brainwave state to be able to access any point in that non-local conscious reality that is the multiverse. I call it the infiniverse. Oh, I like that. Um, I use a lot of the ancient yogic techniques and some very modern techniques to get a person into at least the theta brainwave state where you can really access, you know, cosmic mind basically. Right. Uh, and sometimes we get into a mixed state of theta and gamma and gamma is where you really have all this inspiration and, and revelation and, uh, creativity so it can be used for many things but it is really really good for accessing information from these other realities that we may not even realize we have and also for memories that are really really tightly squeezed into a, a vault uh, of amnesia in the you know even from the present which is what we did with John Yost in the movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, one of the things that I know, um, so it's really weird. I, I recently moved to Arizona. I've been here like three months or so. Mm -hmm. And um, about three weeks after uh, arriving here, which I don't know why I always like saying things in threes, but anyways, about three weeks after arriving here, um, I'd gone out to dinner with my family. Uh, we were headed back and I had like a, a weird little, I don't know. It's like a panic attack almost because hmm. things seemed out of place. Like I remember buildings being different places than what mm -hmm. they were. I remember like people being different places. And so over the next probably four or five nights, I had dreams of like 
other times that my wife and I had attempted to move to Arizona and for whatever reason we stopped and this time we were successful and then going forward then from that point the amount of dreams that I've had are what seem like other versions of this timeline if you will have decreased almost like I had a convergence point <laughs> like one of the word yeah. um, where I where all these little multiverses were kind of coming together and then once mm-hmm. I got past that point now I'm like you know everything are kind of starting to branch apart again or end or whatever the case may be so mm-hmm. yeah you know what I love that term convergence point because <clears throat> quantum physics also tells us that everything is enmeshed everything is connected everything is is interacting with everything else and informing everything else so when you have a point where two of these realities or more are coming together um, because there is a frequency match there is a resonant frequency that's when you have all of this kind of confusing you know but actually very exciting if you're you know an explorer like I am um, experience where you are able to perceive other types of beings other types of civilizations uh, you might realize that you're not limited to this tiny little human spacesuit that we're wearing and maybe you can fly at will you know there's all kinds of things that happen at that point and we access those points very easy with this method um i, I want to go back just a second because stefan you asked you know what makes it different to get people in that brainwave state when people come to me for this therapy i give them some homework that they have to do before the session mm-hmm and the earlier the better but it's different types of breath work mm-hmm. and sound technology making sound a sound or certain sounds with mm-hmm. your voice to bring and and a little bit of movement and some meditation to bring about a coherence in all of your cells in your cellular physical body vibrating everything at the same frequency and when you do that and then you do a certain technique where you are pressurizing the energy in your body to get it to go up and start to vibrate the little tiny crystals that are very significant in the pineal gland here at the top of the brain. I know this sounds wacky, but it's been proven to be true by neuroscientists. When you do this process, these crystals start to vibrate all at the same time, become coherent, and then you've turned yourself into a giant satellite dish basically mm-hmm. a radio antenna and then you, you know, can access that information from anywhere i uh, i re- recently listened to a book I, i'm going to butcher his name joe dispenza, dispenza. Yeah. he's one of the the yeah. leaders of this movement yeah and he's and it, and it really talks about like you know i listened to the entire book to get to the very end where he tells you like how to do this, mm-hmm. this, this great exercise. Yeah. That's why I just read actual books, Josh, because I can just flip to the page. <laughs> you don't know where. And you can write notes and circle yeah. all yes. the important parts, I, which is I, what I love to do. I have all the physical books, but I it's easier for me to listen to audio books. But mm-hmm. um, I do but yeah, for, I like them. for the same reason. Like I, ris- I listen to the audio book, but then I notate where it is and I go and find it in the physical book and write it down. But yeah. Um, yeah, but if you're familiar with Joe Dispenza's work, yeah. you kind of get an idea of what we're doing. Uh, we don't do the same exact process, but it is very similar mm-hmm. uh, because there are different sequences for different things. You know? Right, uh, yeah. I, 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 have a, I have to admit, I, I, uh, I tried the dragon breath, I believe is what it's mm-hmm, called. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as someone with a deviated septum, I found it very difficult hard. to do. <laughs> right. And, and I do get clients who um, cannot perform that well or they can't perform what we call alternate nostril breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I found, though, is if you can get them to breathe in sync with you and deeply and at the pace that you need to go, even through the mouth, 
and use the mind to envision that you're doing it through the nose, it still works. And and what I found was interesting when Josh, when you were explaining those breathing techniques to me and stuff like that, how much they reminded me of what Santosh has taught me. Our friend Santosh is a yogi and um, how much rooted in ancient yoga some of those breathing Mm -hmm. techniques are that he does for his daily practice. They're all rooted in yoga. Mm -hmm. I, I postulate almost everything that we have as physical science that goes beyond regular physical fitness are rooted in yoga. I would yeah. say he would agree with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but You'd I'm like a little him. bit I'm a little bit skewed. I think I love him already. That sounds yeah. Oh yeah, you guys would get along yeah. fantastic. <laughs> um, so I, I was curious, um, you know, so you helped John uh, think kind of process through and solve uh, a question that he's had for many, many years that he, you know, kind of pushed away and, and, and finally decided to address. And, you know, when we had him on, he even talked about that. That's what that's what the film really was for him was the exploration of that question. And coming yeah, and I loved that because he said it wasn't even a recreation. That right. was no, it was it actually was happening there. And I was like, whoa, that made that, it even cooler. That is real, raw, unedited footage. Yeah. And. But what's so brave what's really tough though is that you know I think the full film credits included is ninety two minutes and his session lasted six hours. Oh my god. Yeah. I so would love we to get have popcorn and watch every bit of that. <laughs> you would not believe the content that has not been revealed yet. Yeah, he <laughs> talked to us about that. He yeah. said wait till the next one. Yeah, he said he's yeah. working on a, a, a Try what's it called? Trinity. A, a trilogy. 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 Yeah, there a trilogy. you go. Yeah. <laughs> Holy Trinity. It is. It's just John called Yoke me Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we, we when we talk about it with John, and I think in the film, what we saw, you spoke about, you know, like you were talking to John, and then all of a sudden you said, "I would like to talk to John's higher self." Yes. Um, so I, I, I gather, I think you know, we all kind of have that higher self. Yeah. Um, is that the more spiritual part of us that doesn't inhabit this body or is it something else or any thoughts on what that is or what that higher self is? Um, yes, yes, and yes to all these questions. <laughs> and um, good night, folks. Yeah. And good night. That's it. Mic drop. The, the higher self for me, let, let's look at, let's just look at the human species for one thing. You know, just, just think of all of us grouped together in a big, group on this planet and as you move up in frequency uh, and meet these other versions of yourselves I call them quantum twins as you meet them you start to realize the the higher up that you go in frequency the more evolved they are the more enlightened they are and the it's almost like an inverted funnel like here's humanity and then suddenly you're moving up in frequency and it starts to compress it's because you start to have coherent frequencies with these other people who are also part of you. Yeah. They're all you. And so the higher up in frequency you go, the more the funnel starts to compress until you get to a singularity at the top. If you just just to use, you know, direction. Yeah. Let's say the top is the singularity or what you would call source, or what some people call God, or the divine, or the cosmic mind, or the big kahuna, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that is, all of this is you, but that higher self is kind of the the one that holds all of the knowledge in one place. It's like, some people call it the Akashic Record. So, right. the higher self in John's case, it was just, you know, um, it was that form of him that was very authoritative, but super wise and was able to speak out what he needed to hear in such a way that he could accept it. And that's what I love about this therapy because, you know, you guys probably know this. I channel all the time. I channel beings and uh, often I a channel a group called the star teachers who are again more higher highly evolved versions of us they say they're mm-hmm. us from the future if you will because mm-hmm. there is no future but it's all happening at once forever but so i can 
sit there and talk to John and channel what information he needed. And it's going to be the same. However, it's much more effective to hear it coming out of your own freaking mouth. Yeah. When you didn't expect any of that information, you don't have any conceptualization of what that information would be. So that's the power of this therapy is that, you know, we, we record this and often people think they remember what they said during it, but it's only a snippet. It's like a dream that starts to weave its way off as you wake up, right? But when you see that recording and you hear yourself speaking all of this intelligence and stuff that you have no idea that you knew, uh, it's kind of undeniable that it's probably the truth. So something that I struggle with a lot, um, and honestly, uh, my wife struggles with when, it, when I tell her the things that I have happened to me, um, is she says, well, you have a really uh, active imagination. How do you know you're not just making this stuff up? Um, okay. This is what she's talking to me, and this is my own right. thought, you know, when I'm thinking about it. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, I like the poster says, I want to believe, and I yeah. and I and I've come a long way in that believing um, mechanism, if you will. But that doubt in the back of my mind is that I have an active imagination, and what if I'm just mm-hmm. making this stuff up? And again, the answer is yes, you do, and that's why you should trust it, because if you can imagine something, Josh. You've already created it on one of those frequencies or many of those frequencies. Really, all you're doing when you engage your imagination is you're tuning into one of those frequencies Mm -hmm. and drawing in information that's pertinent to what it is you want to do or learn or solve. So if you feel like you have a really active imagination, I say awesome because half the battle is fought already. Yeah. And it's all true. I don't care if you think you can imagine the scariest, most awful monster that sci-fi has never been able to depict in a movie. (laughs) If you have imagined that, you created it because you're the creator. Mm. That's a little secret. You created it, or at least you are able to pull that information to know that that is out there somewhere. Hmm. Um, And likewise, you know, angels, fairies, other dimensional civilizations that only you can see in your mind. That's why, why we have a a creative mind. It Hmm. it is our tuning apparatus, basically. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about for a long time that, um, you know, like the fairy world or the elf world or other things that mm-hmm. that we don't see on a regular basis. But you look back in literature and the way that they were talked about in past, you know, the 1600s and before, um, if for some reason we've closed ourselves off as humanity to be able to see and interact with these realms, whereas a previous version of ourselves, you know, were more open to it. Oh, Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what's really cool is, um, and what we're hoping to, maybe I'm giving away too much here, but what we're hoping to show people is that, uh, or postulate for people as a thought puzzle is all of these things ghosts, spirits, demons, ETs, fairies, dragons, all that are just different versions of the same consciousness, Mm -hmm. just like we are. And so what's interesting, you know, Whitley Strieber, who's in our film, thank you so much, Whitley, for being there and and being such a big part of the film, Whitley Strieber, and one of my great teachers that I love, Graham, who I love, Graham Hancock, who has written many books about lost civilizations and ETs, kind of the ancient astronaut theory kind of stuff. Mm. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy. And um, in one of his books called Visionary, he brings this up in great depth. He's a, he's a huge scholar. So there's probably 300 pages on just how ancient people uh, believed in, you know, the gods 
or uh, medieval people believed in fairies um, or elves or gnomes and all of this. And really what we're, what we now are starting to see is that they're all the same thing, but they're being translated by virtue of what you have in your surrounding, in your culture your at culture. that time, you know? So it's just, it's just different labels for yeah. kind of the same thing. Right. And when you, when you think about that, um, that kind of thought process that they are all maybe the same thing appearing to us as different realities. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems interesting that, uh, there was a spike in saucer shaped craft, uh, after uh, the day that the earth stood still and movies yes. like it were released on film and it's almost mm-hmm. like our consciousness said this is now the form you know you, you chose the form of the destroyer yep <laughs> Ex- exactly <laughs> ghostbusters <Right>? yeah <laughs> yeah there is yeah you know only <laughs> right <laughs> And something else I was thinking about that I learned, too, is I, I'm pagan, myself, Wiccan, and, you know, I believe in the power mm-hmm. of the moon. And something interesting I learned yes. years ago was how um, oh, every year the moon moves further and further away from the Earth. And mm-hmm. I thought, gosh, think about a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago or three, how powerful yes. the moon was and how, pe- you know, we talk about why isn't there magic like there was in, in the old stories and things like that. And maybe there was, maybe the, the frequency is yeah. different. Yeah. The frequency is different. The gravity is different. Tides yes. are different. Everything is different because the moon was so much closer. Yeah. I mean, listen, it affects, we're, we're made up mostly of water in mm-hmm. ourselves. It affects the ocean. How right. can it, how can we not, agree that it affects the water in ourselves you know so if, yeah if it was closer it was definitely affecting the vibrational frequency of our cells and imagine so, the light it projected at night oh and can you imagine how big it looked how yeah. big you know, i yeah. think about that yeah what did they see on the surface if it was so much closer <laughs> yeah well it wouldn't have had nearly the craters that it has today that's so. also true yeah yeah um but one of the things that you know also to make another ghostbusters reference and <laughs> since you brought up water <laughs> um in ghostbusters 2 you remember they collect some slime and they start doing experiments with it and it starts reacting like when they play Rock and roll, yes, it's like you know, yeah. it reacts poorly when they play classical yeah. or her upbeat music. It reacts, you know, well. Yeah, they're doing and, the Doctor um, Emoto stuff on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So Ray, knowing... you're not sleeping with it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Always Ray. <laughs> Always Ray. <laughs> so, but you know, but thinking along the same line, I mean, that's right. The water uh, senses emotion and reacts to things. And to your point, we're made up of water. The Earth is mm-hmm. made up of water, and yeah, mm-hmm. it just really makes me wonder if uh you know that's maybe the i don't know when that film from uh amato came out but maybe there was some cross-pollination if you will of ideas between what the movie was presenting versus what thoughts were right his book came out just about the same time so i'm i imagine or you know a year or two before but he'd been doing research on it for oh yeah Yeah, my first experience was what the bleep do we know that's oh, where yeah. I first oh, time. Big gateway. I've been trying drug. to get Josh. I've been trying to get Josh to watch it. <laughs> Dude, you need to watch it. It's you know, it's a little dated and mm-hmm. but it is the gateway drug to this information that we're talking <laughs> yep. about. It, it truly is. It truly yep. is. But uh but yeah, they were definitely taking a page from Dr. Emoto's book in, in that movie. And that's what I love. You know, we have again, it proves to me how connected we all are in consciousness. There is a consciousness grid around this planet. You can't see it, but I'm not saying we're a hive mind because we're all individuated, but we are all connected to this network. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when when someone like Dr. Emoto writes this book, it's, it's a little popular and everything, but suddenly everyone is talking about how water mm-hmm. is affected by energy. Um, when one person sees a flying saucer, everybody starts seeing a flying saucer, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it's not just because everybody wants to be like everybody and be the cool kids club. It's because it's really happening. It's like the hundredth monkey um, right. theory. If, if you're familiar with that, where they taught, 
a few monkeys how to wash bananas before they ate them on a little secluded island. Um, and after a while, even the baby monkeys who were being born on that island who had never eaten bananas, the first time they were given a banana, they went to the river and washed the banana. But even more importantly, monkeys on other islands all over the world started washing their bananas. Mm. So there's this critical mass, uh, there's a formula, and it's called the 100th monkey formula. But when a certain amount of people, animals, whatever, beings learn something new or discover something, have a revelation, if more than one, I think it's point one hundredth of one percent. I may be wrong because I've been up a long time today, but <laughs> it's either one percent or point one percent of the whole population of the species learns this thing, then suddenly they all know it. It's like osmosis. It just happens. So I, I feel like it's probably one percent, and the reason I say that is because that is uh, seems to be Dr. Stevens Greer's new mm. thing that it is. Been, you know, started right. a couple of years ago is he wants to get one percent of the population meditating to meditate, right? To, because that'll raise the entire population. Yeah, it will. It will, and. So actually, the star teachers said we we did hit that critical point about two years ago, and that's why you're seeing so much accelerating now. What people don't understand is when something accelerates in our in our species, in our culture, in our on our planet, everything accelerates. It's not just one thing. So they're saying, well, if you know, if we're becoming enlightened here really quickly, then why is there so much war and strife and greed and yeah. all that? And it's because it's all accelerating. But what's good about that is, is it's so much more, it's so in your face that it cannot be denied anymore. And so it's, you know, it, it be, behooves us to take care of it so that we can keep moving forward. But yeah. So if we're if we're kind of barreling towards um, enlightenment, right? And mm -hmm. and um, you know it's something I think uh, Einstein said. You know when your um, when your technology um, outgrows your humanity, you're you know doomed for failure. It's a yes. paraphrase, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but and, and I've also heard someone say recently that you know the next uh, evolutionary step for humanity is a spiritual evolution and yes. not necessarily a physical evolution. Yes. So. It sounds like we're heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, part of me is excited to see where that takes us, but part of me also knows that so so many of these things throughout history have taken a long time. Of course. And so yeah. you know, well, relatively well, uh, speaking, right. right? You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, but it so makes me also like nervous or sad that I won't actually see any of these changes in my lifetime. Um, but will my kids see them or will their kids see them? Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting to think about. I have it on pretty good authority that you are going to see it. They say this incarnation, this particular point in the human development species in this particular frequency is the one where we kind of jump over the threshold. Hmm. And not everybody does because some people aren't finished with this particular experiment here, this, right. this little science lab. So some of them will stay behind and still experience, um, you know, what happens if, if we do start a nuclear war or whatever. But it's right. not, for the, for the greatest part anyway, they're saying, or we're saying to ourselves, no, um, you're just going to focus on a higher frequency. And it's not, and that's the thing I want to say too, is that we don't actually move into other frequencies. We merely train our focus to yeah. another frequency. They're all happening all at once, forever, all the time. And I tell people it's like being in a giant coliseum full of monitors that are attached to DVD players. And each one is playing a different movie. Some are very similar, but they're all different. And there's only, they're all on pause except for one. And the one that's not on pause is the reality that you're focused on right now. Mm -hmm. 
doesn't mean those other realities don't exist. It just means they're on pause, i.e. they are a probability mm-hmm. to, in quantum physics speak. So let's say you just decide, I really don't like this movie that much, and I think I want to explore something else. So you look at this one way over here in the top right-hand corner of the Coliseum. You just hit the remote control, hit pause on this one, you hit play on that one. Suddenly, this reality becomes probability. It doesn't mean that everybody in that movie, i.e. that life, that reality, died or evaporated or don't exist anymore. They are just existing in their own realm, but your focus is over here, so it is irrelevant to you at this point. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, yeah. So uh, if I can shift gears a little bit. um, Mm -hmm. So uh, what are your thoughts on ley lines and how they fit into how we experience things? Sure. Uh, Ley lines to me, are the nervous system of the planet, Hmm. okay? And and what we're also now starting to theorize and and maybe even make discoveries about is that there are cosmic ley lines, too. So, you know, everything is a fractal of the great hologram uh, of creation. So you can look at, you know, the veins on a leaf uh, and look at... a picture of your own nervous system and it looks the same. Mm -hmm. If you were to be able to photograph the ley lines of the planet from outer space, it would look probably a lot like that. Uh, It also might look, uh, which also looks like the uh, mycelium network under the soil that covers Mm -hmm. the whole planet. That's the planet's uh, physical internet. You know, before we invented the internet, the plants and the soil on our planet have lived for eons, probably since the beginning of the planet with that internet. Um, it's a worldwide web, but the ley lines are also like old fashioned telegraph lines. They can, they are a carry away for information and energy. So, you know, one of my big bucket list things in my life, which I haven't done yet, but I promise I'm going to do it is <laughs> to, walk the Camino de Santiago. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a hunt for hundreds of years. There's been a pilgrimage path from France, uh, St. Jean Pierre de Port in France over the Pyrenees mountains and all the way across Spain to this cathedral at the edge of Spain called the cathedral of St. James, which, you know, for Catholics, it holds, the supposedly holds the bones of St. James. That's where he was finally interred. Well, so for hundreds of years, Catholics did this, you know. But what we found is that for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, other civilizations walked that same path for spiritual reasons. And it is because there are specific really powerful ley lines that go if you if you uh look at that path and you and there have been energy workers there have been people literally measuring the frequency of energy along that path and it's 500 kilometers by the way Mm. so um it's pronounced along that trail it's off the charts the the schumann resonance resonance is of the earth is much higher on that path. Mm. So people have always walked that trail because they're receiving downloads or they're getting energy or they're becoming healed or they're having revelations. But again, just like translating what other beings are from what you know, like fairies or ghosts or whatever, the ley line, the path gets translated by whatever culture you come from. So I just want to go and experience. I want to feel the energy of that path. Yeah. And I just want to walk a 500-kilometer thing and say I did it over the Great Pyramid. <laughs> you period. did it, so, right. Yeah. I have a similar one, which is that Buddhist temple that's on top of the mountain. It's like <gasps> the, the, the temple of a thousand steps or whatever. Yes. I can't yes. remember the exact name of it, but that's on that's my bucket list one. to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
There are many megalithic sites I'd love to go see or very highly spiritual or metaphysical sites I'd love oh, to see. Oh, Machu Picchu for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Golly. Let's go right now. Yeah, let's <laughs> take a helicopter ready. in. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, is a site. It's one of the biggest UFO hotspots in the world is Peru, especially yep. around Machu Picchu. So, well, I mean, mm. there's all the um, – that's where all the glyphs that are in the desert and stuff in Peru. Yeah, yeah. the Nazca lines. The Nazca yeah. lines, yeah. Yeah. Um, a question I was going to ask you earlier is is about dreams. Mm-hmm. And, um, awesome. Awesome about whether or not they are reflections of the Infiniverse. Uh, because it's it's odd that, because I was talking about this today. So, of course, there's our synchronicity for the day. Yeah. I'm sharing this story about how years ago I had a dream that lasted a year. Um, it was overnight, but my dream what? lasted a year. It was yeah. I lived a year in mm-hmm. a night. I remember mm-hmm. going to sleep, waking up, eating breakfast, going to school. I met this girl, had an entire relationship. It went all the way through my graduation in high school, and she broke up with me the day of graduation. Oh, my family was in it. I mean, it was this whole thing, and the very next day was when it was done, and it was exactly a year, and I woke up, and I woke up feeling this was another life of mine. Yes. Okay. Like fully. Well, you're absolutely correct as far as I'm concerned. You literally, when we go to sleep, uh, we're not analyzing physical data. You know, we're not analyzing all the stimuli that's here in this construct that used to, we call third dimensional earth life. When you go to sleep or when you become a lucid dreamer or an astral traveler, a person mm-hmm. who can do out of body travel, remote view, all of those things. What you're doing is you're slipping out, you're taking off the spacesuit. It's still on autopilot, it's still working, but your consciousness is traveling and looking at other of your realities. And it's significant that you bring that one up because. I call that compressed time, and I've experienced that. I've actually experienced that in the waking state here, in in the physical state. But compressed time is very significant uh, proof that you traveled to one of your other realities and lived there. Again, this one got put on pause. It was a probability <laughs> while your body was sleeping, and the time difference is part of the theory of relativity. That's all there is to it. You know, you traveled at the speed, not at the speed of life, Stefan, but the speed (laughs) of consciousness. Yeah. I mean, I I remember having dreams and everything. Like it was, it was, I have no doubt. It was insane. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's really (laughs) cool. Yep. It's something I've hung on to for many years. Like just thinking about that. And that's the other thing. When you have a dream that, never goes away that just keeps niggling at you that's i call that a love letter from your higher self to your physical conscious uh, mind that there's information to be had that there's something pertinent that needs to be explored so you know you can either journal about it you can teach yourself lucid dreaming and go back into it and see what else is there or you can do quantum hypnosis and try it out so yeah. you know yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about earlier about uh, fairies and things, and you know, that kind of exist, and, and we mm-hmm. experience them differently. Um, I was thinking a little bit about like Sasquatch, Bigfoot, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you kind of take that same thought line around the um, Infiniverse um, and um, and kind of carry it forward, maybe uh, Bigfoot is just from a, a one of the universes that that you know we didn't this form of humanity didn't evolve instead mm-hmm. the Bigfoot form of humanity involved. And we just get occasional bleed through, if you will, from those other places. Yeah. And that's the term I like to use is bleed through. Um, it's absolutely, again, this is just me, but I feel it is absolutely correct. And if you've ever encountered a Sasquatch being, you know that they are interdimensional. We're all interdimensional, but they are, volitionally interdimensional that's why they're so hard to find because you know they're right here in your face but they're in a different frequency you have to match the frequency to be able to perceive them but the 
I do believe they are a different, very closely related form of the human being. Um, just, just a different branch. Yeah. Something I was thinking about the other day, I was talking to my kids about salmon. And we were telling them, you know, that every year they swim back to the same spot they were hatched to, to reproduce. Mm-hmm. And it really got me thinking if, um, what if there are beings that dimensionally travel to our plane for some reason like that? Like there's either for uh, re- you know, procreation or for ritual or for, mm-hmm. you know, ceremony or whatever the case may be. And so there are periods of time where we see more, ex- we have more experiences because those are around times that for whatever reason, they're traveling more to our plane of existence mm-hmm. um, be- for some reason. Well, maybe because maybe because the all of the variables are, are in perfect alignment for mm-hmm. that. You know, like, you know, you live by the moon, Stefan, so you know that there are certain times of mm-hmm. the year, even certain yeah, times I was of the say month. When the veil is thin too. When the veil is thin and yeah. you literally have a, an easier way to connect or when there's more magic power, you know. Uh, if you want to call that technology magic, in fact, all technology is considered magic until it becomes the <laughs> culture's technology. Yep, you right. know. But uh, yeah, I I agree with you one hundred percent on that. I really do. Very thoughtful. Yeah. You're a good boy, Josh. Oh, You're thank a you. Good boy. <laughs> good boy. Oh, my legs bouncing. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's called the blibula, by the way. You know when you scratch a dog and it does that? Yeah. That's its blibula. Blibula. There's actually a term for that. Blibula. Interesting. One of the weird little pieces of trivia that floats around my head for no reason. Uh, oh, we, we all have it. Yeah. I think we've got the perfect pub trivia team then right here. <laughs> uh, I'm ready. <laughs> also, just, you know, in one of the universes... There's Blobula, where Blob <laughs> is Dracula. They're the same. <laughs> wow. Oh, that would be an interesting sci-fi movie, actually. You would just, Think about that. You would just take the whole person in, suck out their blood, and spin them back out. That's that pretty work. much what the Blob already <laughs> does. That's what the Blob does, but you know, but with a better accent and <laughs> with better, a better clothing. Yeah. 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 Where, so, how would he yeah. how got would, a good aristocratic Southern Georgian accent? Right. Yes. Where would he keep his cape? I don't know. I like that would be that would be a, a something to think about. I don't know. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to uh, jump in one more time and talk a little bit about uh, ley lines because I recently find out found out that I live a mile uh, from a ley line that passes through my area. And in the process of looking, I found that Stefan also lives close to a ley line. Um, and it also, I, I find it interesting that I had my kind of, uh, you know, multiverse uh, panic attack, if you will, um, near my house, which is, again, really close to a ley line. So I just wonder if there's a reason why there's just a, an up to, seemingly an uptick in activity that happens at my house, that happens to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's any correspondence with being you know, or any correlation with being next to a, a ley line, so close to a ley line. So I believe it can be. Um, I think it's, it can be an amplifier for whatever is going on in your life anyway. Just like, you know, you people go to special places that are um, considered a vortex. Uh, that's an amplified mm-hmm. energy place. I believe ley lines are also, um, but it's like getting close to an electrical wire. You know, you can burn yourself out or yeah. you can use it if you are properly grounded. And it is you can use it to um, to do some really cool things. So, you know, um, what's interesting is, is that they've always been here and they're always have been mm-hmm. very powerful. But again, we haven't, for the most part, perceived them other than the few who are a little bit more elevated in their in their progress right. until now, but again that hundredth monkey uh, yeah. effect is taking hold. So humanity is starting to perceive more, even the ones who you might think aren't that awake. They're right. just awake enough to to see stuff all the time. They're like confused. So that's another part of the work that I do is I, I do counseling for. Um, 
ET experience, contact experiences, and paranormal experiences, or just the stuff you can't understand, right, can bring it into a context where a person can um, at least grasp the ideology of it and and make sense of it for their own life, you know, and do their own self inquiry afterwards. Right. So, but I truly believe that's, you know. There's no mistake that you moved where you moved. You you literally drew yourself to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and um, uh, like I said, it's it's an uptick in activity for me. Um, you know, you talked about people um, kind of awakening to it. You know, my wife, uh, she was just kind of opening up before we moved, but since we moved, she's really started opening up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it really interesting when you think about, um, you know, the hundred monkey uh, uh, piece that you said. Maybe that's that's why now is the right time for uh, quote unquote disclosure, or for the governments of the world to really kind of you know back that there are these things that we can't explain because mm-hmm. humanity is finally at a place spiritually. Uh, to be able to think outside of the box and maybe accept yeah. some of those things. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, there was uh, there are all kinds of reasons why disclosure was never made and why things were covered up. Most of them were for power and greed and so forth. But there was also, there were some good reasons. And part of it was that most people really might not have been able to handle that mm-hmm. information. They weren't. You know, it's like trying to get a kindergartner to do trig, you know, Um, even if they're good at math at that age, um, there are very few humans on the planet in the kindergarten age who can understand trigonometry. They don't have the fundamental information that builds you up to learning how to understand it. And that's kind of where we have been. So I, I agree. Um, Will the governments of the world ever go into full disclosure, honest full disclosure? That remains to be seen. Uh, My human self wants to say, oh, hell no, they're never going to do that because it doesn't behoove them to do that. They would lose their power instantly. Mm -hmm. The spiritual, more higher plane focus part of me says it absolutely will happen because that's the direction we're moving. Right. And including are the people who are now running things on this planet. They're not always going to be running things. Nobody's going to be running things because eventually we're going to come into that frequency where we are harmonious and coherent. Like most of the rest of the Infiniverse, by the way. This is kind of a, a rigid, specific construct where we decided to experiment with some of that stuff, you yeah. know. But uh, duality and uh, uh, contrast and all of that. But most, uh, at least what I've seen personally in my travels and in in my communications with these other parts of myself and yourself, tell us that most of the cosmos, most of creation does not live the way that we do here. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, too, I think another reason I think disclosure is a more modern thing is, is, is the rate at which information is shared now. Mm-hmm. You know, you think if this disclosure had happened back in the 1920s, you've got a newspaper article that mm-hmm. may or may not hit small towns. And this is just America, yeah. you know, let alone the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, now right. it doesn't matter. You can live in, in rural Africa and have a satellite that gives you internet, mm-hmm. you know, and, and able to get, if disclosure happens, on a, the big scale that we all hope that it happens on, imagine how fast that news spreads. Instantaneously. Yeah, there are literally people living in cardboard shacks in, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, Afghanistan who have cell phones. Yep. Because yeah. it's so important. That is more important than having running water to them. Right. <laughs> so, information um, is power. Information is power. But what we're, you know, what we've been told is that. Our internet and our way of interacting with each other now at the speed of light at the present moment uh, is there. It's merely training wheels for where we're going, where we have 
where we always have been, but we haven't been focused on, and that is instantaneous knowing of yeah. everything between minds. It. Yeah, right. The, we we had a we had a guest on several years ago, uh, John E. L. Tenney, mm-hmm. um, that talked about the internet actually being a psychic network. It is um, that you know that's not actually bits and bytes, if you will, but it's you know the will and the whims of the people who interact on it. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, check it out. What it's doing right now. Yeah. People, right. You know, as uh, as one of my guru says, the the world is in anguish and chaos because the minds of men are in anguish and chaos. Right. It reflects what mm-hmm. is going on in the collective consciousness. But what I've been told, and again, what I've seen, like, you know, when I've traveled with our star friends, if you will, I don't like to call it abduction because it's always voluntary, I believe, but (laughs) that's a whole other subject. But when I have traveled, especially as a child, to what Whitley termed the secret school, you know, where children are abducted. They go to these places and they're shown screens and usually they're being shown what could happen to the planet and to humanity if you don't take care of it. That's, I mean, I experienced that as a child all the time. But what I've been shown is that uh, we do progress and indeed they say we progress in this lifetime, those who are alive right now to that collective focus or the major collective focus on those higher frequencies where we can literally understand each other and communicate with each other without any physical technology. Mm-hmm. We can do that now. I mean, I can do that with you guys right now, but but for the most part, most human beings don't realize that they can do it yet. Right. But it's, oh, it's so close. And when that happens, you won't need a government to disclose anything because the right. government won't exist anymore. Well, and we've also talked about how most belief uh, in whatever it is is really a personal experience-driven thing, right? So it is. You, even if the government were to say, yep, you know, we've been visited by aliens, here's a contract we signed with them, you know, <laughs> most people yeah. wouldn't wouldn't really believe it still because they haven't had their own the direct experience is the best teacher and uh yeah and and actually you know you speak about belief and belief is nothing more than something that you continuously agree to be focused on Mm -hmm. it's a it's an agreement between two or more people um, and you just keep thinking the same thought over and over again. That's something that Joe Dispenza says a lot. He right. uh, talks about what belief is. Um, belief isn't something written in stone. It's what you. It's a. It's an agreement. That's all it is. Right. Yep. So. And I think uh, that's a good place to kind of wrap things up. We're getting towards the end of our time, and I like I like ending on a sweet co- quote. So that worked out yeah. really really well. Cool. Um, but Debs, we wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of share your information or, or plug anything that you're oh. wanting to plug. That way, our listeners know where they can find you and interact with you. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much again. It's been delightful, and I'm sad that it's over already. I know. It goes quick when it's good. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. There's that compressed time again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, people can uh, find me at my website. DebsShakti.com, D-E-B-Z-S-H-A-K-T-I.com. And uh, there's a media section on there where you can access almost every thing I've ever done, uh, Mm -hmm. video-wise or audio-wise, including interviews like these. Um, Eventually this will go on there and um, or a link to it. Um, And then there are there are tons of of free content on there about how to work with energy, uh, dream science, mm. uh, remote viewing, uh, you know, channeling telepathic stuff. And, and of course a lot of the ET stuff, the interdimensional stuff. And, um, yeah. And, and, and on the website, they can find out how to schedule appointments with me. I do private appointments. I do, uh, group. I do online stuff all the time for the world. I've had online groups as large as almost 10,000 on Zoom wow. at, 
yeah, so it's been fun to have those big groups um, or speak at conferences or whatever. And um, and you can get updates about the the film that we have out, Alien Abduction Answers, and maybe some cool stuff coming up uh, once we yeah. get rolling. Uh, the Trinity, we spoke. Yeah, the Trinity. The Trinity, Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the we Trinity. definitely we definitely have to agree. Uh, Josh and I have both been lucky enough to have sessions with you, and we highly recommend uh, you. It was uh, thank you phenomenal. Thank and you guys. You being on the show was uh, just an honor so thank oh, you so much deb shockey for being on the show so so much thank you you are welcome anytime oh thank you Stefan and josh thank you so much and and i do want to say too on the website there's one thing i left off i'm getting ready to to do one or more retreats um all over the place and so there that's a good place to check out the calendar and see where these retreats are there are consciousness retreats, there are contact retreats, CE5 trainings, awesome. um, all kinds of stuff. Yoga retreats, you name it. Do it's it. Gonna be going. It's going to be happening. If you like it, yeah. check come it to, out. Come, come do one in Arizona. Yes. <laughs> come, Dude, come to I would us. So, I would so love to do that. I would. And and perhaps we should talk about that. We yeah. shall. Again, thank you so much. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. Just a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, you can also check out the video version on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Fearscape Media. And if you're watching it on YouTube and you want to listen to it while you're driving, you can go to the convergenceenigma.com and check out the podcast version there. Uh, Thanks again. This has been Stefan saying goodbye and saying keep your eyes on the skies. And this has been Josh. The truth is now. And remember, folks, keep questioning. Keep searching. Good night, everybody. Good Good night. night. Thank you.